Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrienne Delgado, and in this podcast, you will get practical nutrition and health tips for both you and your entire family. I am a registered dietitian. I'll give you step-by-step plans to reach your goals, easy tips to stay motivated, and my favorite recipes that I know you will enjoy too. Nutrition and health doesn't have to be boring or grueling. Let's enjoy the journey while we strive to reach the destination together. So grab your water bottle and notebook because it's time to get started. Well, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. I'm so excited you're here today. Today, we're going to talk about a fun topic. It's one I really enjoy talking about, especially when I get to work with families. And so this episode is for you if you live with a picky eater. Picky eaters are tough, right? They're really challenging because I don't... It doesn't matter if you're talking about a two-year-old, an eight-year-old, a teenager, or a 47-year-old. Picky eaters make meal planning extra challenging. And so I wanted to do an episode today about this because I see so many people struggling. I see moms and dads that are making multiple meals every night. And I don't know about you, but I feel like making one meal a night can be hard. And so when I hear that some of you guys are making multiple meals every night, my heart goes out to you. It does, because that's a lot of work, that's a lot of dishes, and that is a lot of time spent in the kitchen. And so what I want to do today is I want to try to give you some tips on how not only to deal with picky eaters and help draw them away from that pickiness, but also how to get some sanity back in the kitchen and so that you can be making one cohesive meal. All right. Um, I'm a big fan of meal planning. I'm a big fan because I like to know what we're having for the whole week. So I don't have to have the stress of coming up with an idea in the moment. That feels really hard to me to have to be come up with a creative meal that everyone is going to like and make sure I have all the ingredients on hand. That is just too much. And so I am a huge fan and a huge proponent of meal planning at the beginning of the week. And then all I have to do throughout the week is just execute the plan. But if you're trying to accommodate everybody's taste preferences and everybody in the family has a different preference, oh my goodness, there's no possible way. There's no possible way to meal plan because you would be creating four, five, six different meal plans. And that feels frustrating and that feels exhausting and that eventually feels defeating. And when everybody has a different preference and you end up making so many different meals, you lose the cohesiveness of everybody sharing in the same meal. And there's something powerful about that. And so I just want to help you today. I want to give you some ideas of how you can try to uh, create those cohesive meals and how you can get some of those picky eaters to be more open 
to try new foods. And so I'm going to make this geared, this talk geared, maybe more towards younger picky eaters. But please know that any of the tips that I share today can be used for older, uh, older kids or even adults too. Now, the first tip, and maybe this goes without saying, is do not become a short order cook. As much as possible, try not to do this and do this early on. Because we all know the older the kids get, the more set in their ways they get, the, the more they dig in their heels and they, they resist. And so if you have young kids or you're thinking about having kids, try to adopt this early on. Do not become a short order cook. Here's the thing. Kids are smart. And they are going to know that they can wait you out if you give them that option. I have one family that I work with where the dad literally makes the children chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese every night of the week. He's like, well, that's all they'll eat. He said, I I make other food for my wife and I, and, you know, we offer it to the kids, but if they don't eat it, I'll make them chicken nuggets and mac and cheese because I don't want them to starve. And I looked at him and I was like, you do know they're playing you, right? You do know that they're just waiting for the set amount of time to go by that you decide that, you know, that they didn't eat their dinner in enough time. So therefore I'm going to make chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. You do know they're waiting you out, right? And he's like, yeah, but I just, I'm nervous that they're, they're not going to grow and that they're not going to get enough calories. I'm like, well, they're not getting enough nutrients. That's for sure. So at this point, you're just feeding them empty calories just to get calories in. I was like, just don't make it. Don't make it. And one night, they may be hungry. And they're going to learn. Right? Like if you brought those kids over to my house, I would make one meal. And they may decide that they don't like it because I'm not going to give them chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. And they may go hungry that night. And the second night, when I don't offer chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese, they may decide, wow, she means business. She's really not going to make us extra food. My stomach is growling. I'm hungry. Therefore, I'm going to eat what she prepared. And so kids are smart. If you give them a second option, they're always going to take it. If you give them an out, they're going to take it. That's just how it is. And so by giving them multiple options all the time, they're never going to choose the initial cohesive meal that you plan for the whole family, the one that has nutrients, the one that has the healthy components of a meal, the protein, the starch, the vegetables. If you always give them the option to do chicken nuggets, they're going to take it. So in my house, if you do not like what I cooked for you, you do not get another option. You can pick a fruit and a vegetable and you can eat that for dinner. But here's the thing. I will not cook it and I will not cut it. So if you are not old enough to use a serrated knife to cut the pepper, then don't pick a pepper. If you like your broccoli warm and all you can get out of the refrigerator is cold broccoli, tough. I'm not cooking it. I already cooked a vegetable. It's asparagus and carrots. It's on the table. Choose that. And a lot of times I even found that in my kids' laziness, they just end up eating what I gave them because they don't feel like getting up and going to the refrigerator and getting a new fruit and vegetable to eat. 
they just, my one son, Ben, he did that. He, he's like, I don't like dinner. Can I go get my fruit and vegetable? I said, sure. And he looked over at the kitchen and he looked back at his plate. He's like, well, can you get it for me? I was like, no, you know, the rules. He's like, well, can I have this vegetable and can you cook it? I was like, no, you know, the rules. And so he looked back at his plate. He looked at the kitchen again. He looked back at his plate. He's like, fine, I'll just eat this. I was like, oh my goodness, you are so lazy. I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. He would rather just eat what was in front of his plate than go get something he would enjoy more. But hey, that's a win because I got him to eat what we were eating. And that repetition of eating that food and realizing it's not so terrible means a bigger win the next time I serve that meal because he will have more familiarity with it and it won't, you know, he knows he's eaten it before and it wasn't terrible. And so do not become a short order cook. Do not allow them to just eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if they don't like dinner. That's not, that's not going to help because they're just going to always eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. All right. So if they really do not like what you're cooking, offer them a fruit and a vegetable. But I don't want you putting extra work and effort into it. I don't want you chopping it up. I don't want you cooking it. No, no, that defeats the whole purpose then. Now you're back to being a short order cook just with healthier ingredients. All right, so that's tip number one. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to personally invite you to our free four-day workshop called Diet Rehab, September 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Do you consider yourself to be a professional dieter? You know, the one who has tried every diet out there only to have given up a couple days in because it's just too restrictive. Or maybe you have had success with dieting only to gain the weight back again plus some. If this is you, then diet rehab is absolutely where you need to be September 14th to the 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern. To register, simply go to bodymetricspa.com forward slash diet rehab to reserve your spot. And now back to the show. Tip number two is make sure you do give alternatives for vegetables. All right. So in my family and our house, we always cook two different vegetables for dinner because I do not want my kids food preferences to dictate whether or not they eat a vegetable that night for dinner. Eating a vegetable will always happen but they get to choose if they want both of the options that I prepared or only one. And I don't care. Pick one, pick the other, pick both, but you will pick something. It's not, oh, I don't like green beans, so I'm not going to eat green. I'm not going to eat a vegetable tonight. I always make two for that very reason. If you don't like green beans, then pick the carrots. And if they say, I don't like either of them, well, pick the one you like better because you will have a vegetable on your plate. Now, here is the deal. If my kids, if I know that my kids um, prefer a vegetable raw and I'm going to be cooking it, I absolutely set some raw vegetable aside for them. We're not, we're not creating more stress than we need to. Pick your battles. If the kid will eat raw broccoli, but he won't eat cooked broccoli, then give him raw broccoli. Bottom line is he's eating broccoli. Okay. The only time I will not do that is if I'm serving a raw vegetable and they prefer it cooked, I'm not going to cook it extra for them. 
That's only if they prefer the raw version over the cooked version. But you always want to offer kids two vegetable options at dinner so they have one to choose. They can choose both. That's even better. But if they can only choose one, that's still a win. So that's your second tip when it comes to vegetables. All right, tip number three, make sure you have kids meal plan and cook with you. I promise that the more involved you get your kids in cooking with you and planning meals, the more receptive they will be to eating them. They want to be part of the process. They don't like when somebody just puts food in front of them and expects them to eat it. But if they have an active say in it, then absolutely they're going to be more receptive to it. And so, uh, example, the other night uh, when I asked them what they wanted for dinner this week, guys, help with the meal plan. Uh, My one son, he was like, I want mac and cheese. I'm like, all right, we can do mac and cheese, homemade mac and cheese. Um, I, you know, have a healthier recipe for that to lighten it up. And I just make sure then everything that we eat with the mac and cheese is, is very healthy, right? So we might have had some grilled chicken instead of breaded chicken that night. And we had a big, huge salad. And I might think I roasted asparagus. Um, but I really make sure if we have one dish or one part of the meal that may not be as healthy that I surround it with a lot of other healthy options to kind of balance the meal out. Uh, But I do have my kids highly involved in meal planning. I like to give them age-appropriate cookbooks. So I got my girls the Disney Princess Cookbook um, for ideas and inspiration. I got the boys uh, America's Test Kitchen, Young Chef Um, addition so they can help with the cooking process and come up with ideas but they are very active in going to the grocery store with me in prepping and meal planning as well as cooking and I have found that because of all that work in engaging them they are more receptive and less picky so that's another tip all right tip number four keep on trying it can take kids up to 15 exposures to try a new food. And so what I find too often is parents give up too quickly. Like they'll offer the kid a new food and after the second time, if that child doesn't pick it or try it or eat it, oh, that kid doesn't like it. And so they stop making it. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not enough time. 15 exposures, which means you have to keep putting it out there. Just because the child doesn't pick it the first time or the second time or the eighth time doesn't mean that that child won't eventually select it. They just haven't had enough exposure to it yet to feel comfortable around it to try it. And so we don't try things once and write it off. We always try things in a couple different ways, maybe a couple different preparation methods. Um, Right now, I find that Adults and kids are loving vegetables in the air fryer because it gives that really nice texture, that crispiness, um, and it doesn't feel like a limp boiled vegetable. And so sometimes we just need to try new things and new ways before we write it off. But the minute you stop offering it, you might as well just write that food off. So my kids may tell me, I don't like this food. I don't like this food. I still put it on their plate. Because I want them to just have all this exposure to it. So eventually they may get, um, they may get brave and they may try it. 
and then we can have a conversation about it. But don't give up too soon. All right, here's another tip for you. Use a tasting plate. All right, more times than not, young kids don't want to try a new food, and they definitely don't want that new food touching the foods that they do like. And so I was the same way. I always positioned my foods on my plate when I was a kid so that nothing would touch. I always remember my grandmother, she would like make piles of you know, food on her plate and she would load things up on top of other things. And I just thought that was the most disgusting thing ever. I wanted my nice, neat piles where nothing touched each other. And so kids tend to be the same way uh, as I was when I was younger. And so a tasting plate is a great idea to let kids try a new food without it fringing on the foods that they like and trust. And so take them to Target or Walmart or order a cute plate online, let them pick it out. It can just be the size of a saucer. It doesn't have to be a giant dinner plate just for when they try new foods. And it can be their tasting plate and have it be fun and create an adventure around it. And you may find that they can trust the process more when they know that it's not touching or um, near their favorites and that it's in a safe place in a different plate. Sometimes that can help. All right. Another tip for you is when you are talking to your, your family members about certain foods, I need them to get descriptive. I need them to use their words. What I mean by this is I want you to discourage, oh, I don't like this. Oh, it tastes bad. This is yucky. I need you to get them to describe why. Because this is going to be really helpful when we try to come up with solutions of alternatives to try. So try to figure out, is it a consistency issue? Is it a texture issue? Is it a flavor issue? Sometimes just the way we flavor things, we don't even think about because it's just the way we've always done it. But if that child doesn't like that flavoring and you put it on everything, well, of course, it's going to turn them away from eating certain foods. And so trying to help that child get really specific about what they do or don't like about different flavors and textures will help you when you're trying to create a meal plan that everybody enjoys. Okay, this tip is going to be a tough one. Do not bribe with treats. Do not bribe your kids with, if you finish those green beans, you can have ice cream. All this does is it makes the prize food even more exciting and the current food more of a chore, right? We don't want them to despise green beans. We want them to enjoy green beans. But if we're always bribing them to eat, then it just makes the green beans look worse, feel worse, taste worse, right? And it makes the bribe even more exciting. And so what we want to do is we want to promote and encourage a whole variety of different foods. But the dessert is not dependent on whether or not they eat the green beans. Okay? I always say dessert should be pre-decided. Now, we're not talking about if the child eats. Like, not you have to take, you know, more than two bites to get ice cream. We're not talking about that. We're talking more about preferences right now and trying to get them to enjoy new foods. So do not bribe. It's an easy thing to do because, you know, sometimes we just 
get into negotiating mode because we're exhausted and we just want to move on from from the the meal but try your best not to bribe with treats all right tip number eight we want to try one new food or recipe every one to two weeks here's the deal if you try new recipes any more frequently than that you're always going to get pushback kids like things that are familiar kids like what they like and if you're constantly putting out brand new recipes and brand new ideas in front of them they're going to be resistant okay so I personally feel like one new recipe every one to two weeks is manageable for them to be receptive but also for me as the chef because trying a new recipe can be a lot of work you got to buy all these new ingredients you got to find them at the grocery store you've got to read the recipe at least for me, at least four or five, six different times to make sure you're doing it right. And there's nothing worse than preparing this whole brand new recipe and then having everybody not eat it or tell you how horrible it is. That gets defeating after a while and it makes you not want to cook. And so one new recipe every one to two weeks. We do need new recipes because we have to try new things and we need to expand our palates, but we don't need to have all these new recipes all the time. That's overwhelming. Now, tip number nine, if you are going to prepare a new dish or a new side dish or a new vegetable, you always want to pair a known food with the unknown food. So if you're making a healthier mac and cheese recipe, I'm just using that as an example because I used it earlier, you want to make sure that you pair that with vegetables that they already know. You don't want to all of a sudden try to make roasted radishes that night too. It's just, it's too much and they're going to shut the whole thing down. So make sure anytime you offer a new dish or a new recipe, you pair it with foods that they're already very familiar with. That is just going to increase their acceptance of it. Okay. And then tip number 10 is don't label your kid as picky. Promise, I promise you, this will become their voice. I don't know how many adults that I see that are like, yeah, I'm a picky eater. Yeah, my mom always said I was a picky eater. When you tell the child that they are a picky eater, guess what they start defining themselves as? A picky eater. And if you define yourself as a picky eater, then that also means that you don't try new foods because you are. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So do not tell your children that they're picky eaters because that is the voice they will use and it will carry them forward into adulthood. If you see yourself as a picky eater, then you also don't challenge new things or try new things. And I can't tell you how many adults I see that have never tried foods. They've never tried certain foods. When I talk to them and I ask them, okay, what kind of foods do you avoid or what foods do you dislike? And they will give me a whole list. And then finally, I'm like, well, have you ever tried it? No, I just know I won't like it. What? Yeah, because I'm a picky eater. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. <laughs> you have to try foods before you're able to say you don't like them. So be really careful of what words you're using because you don't want that to become their voice and their identity when it comes to food in this stage of the game and thereafter as adults. All right, guys. So those are your 10 tips for picky eaters. I hope they're helpful to you. 
Um, I do want to give you a recipe of the week. Um, this is called oodles of orzo zucchini bake. So this would be a new recipe for some of you. And if you make it, you want to make sure you pair it with some vegetables that they already know, like, and trust. And, um, this one's a kid approved recipe. So I think, I think your family's going to enjoy it. All right. So for this recipe, you are going to need one cup of dried orzo pasta. You're going to need one tablespoon of olive oil, one half of a small onion diced, one medium zucchini shredded, two large beaten eggs, one cup of chopped cooked chicken, one cup of shredded reduced fat cheese, one quarter cup of grated Parmesan cheese, one quarter teaspoon of kosher salt, one quarter teaspoon of black pepper, and a pinch of ground nutmeg. All right, so for this recipe, you're going to need to preheat your oven to 350 degrees, and you're going to coat an 8 by 8 inch baking pan or dish with nonstick cooking spray and set that aside. So you're going to get yourself prepared that way. Next, you're going to cook the orzo according to the package directions. That's usually around 7-8 minutes. You're going to drain that, transfer it to a large bowl. Now, meanwhile, you're going to heat a half of a tablespoon of that oil in a large skillet over medium heat, and you're going to cook the onion and stir it frequently until it's soft, and that's going to take about seven minutes. And then you're going to raise the heat to medium high, and you're going to add the rest of the oil and the zucchini, and you're going to cook until it's nice and tender, about five minutes. So again, the pasta is going to cook for about seven, eight minutes. Meanwhile, you're going to cook the onion and the zucchini until the vegetables are nice and soft. Next, you're going to stir those cooked vegetables, the eggs, the chicken, a half a cup of the reduced fat cheese, the Parmesan cheese, the salt, the pepper, the nutmeg into the orzo. And you're basically just going to combine all of it together and you're going to spread that mixture evenly into your eight by eight pan. And you're going to sprinkle the remaining half cup of cheese on top of the casserole. And then you're going to bake it for about 15 minutes in that 350 degree oven. Okay, so this is a new recipe to try. It's full of vegetables, but it's also full of pasta and cheese, which are also things that kids tend to like and families tend to like. Um, so it should be a winner, but I'd love for you to try it and I'd love for you to tell me your thoughts on it. Guys, if you want more family-friendly recipes, um, I definitely want to... Um, definitely want to steer you towards my book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Uh, it's available in our office. It's available online on our website as well as Amazon. And this book is filled with family-friendly recipes. You can also visit our blog, um, bodymetricspa.com is our website for even more family-friendly recipes. But guys, we have a ton of resources for you. So I want to make sure that you're jumping on our website, you're grabbing that, or you're going online, go to Amazon, grab that book so you have those resources at your fingertips so you can start to incorporate healthier family-friendly recipes into your lifestyle. Guys, thank you so much for listening this week. Can't wait to hear from you. Have a great week. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.